Hi, I'm Teresa, and this is I'm Having an Episode, a true crime podcast. Our main focus will be female criminals and their crimes. So buckle up and have an episode with me. Okay, so I got my new microphone, which is amazing. So hopefully this sounds a little better. <clears throat> um, we're going to get right into it because... The kids are on summer vacation, and I could get interrupted at any moment, and I just got done torturing them with a really long walk, so who knows how long I'll have. Anyway, we're going back to May 28th, 1905, and that is when a murderess was born in Kenda, Tokyo, Japan. Now, here is my first apology. I am not going to pronounce this stuff properly. I am going to butcher it badly. No joke. It is going to be horrible. And I am so sorry. I swear I am. First person we're going to introduce is Shig Shigeyoshi Abe. He was born in the Chiba Prefecture in 1853. Uh, not much about Shigeyoshi is known when it comes to his birth family. All that is known is he was adopted into the Abe family. He was to help with the tatami business and become their heir. No one is even sure if he was adopted as a child or as an adult. They also don't know if the Abe family was childless. Or that they had an heir that they just didn't think was capable. Uh, the adopted father was a fourth generation tatami maker. Uh, he was described as an upright and honest, hardworking man. Did not drink. And if he had an affair, he did not flaunt it or get caught. <clears throat> uh... Katsu Abe, she was raised by a single mother after her father died in the Battle of Ueno of 1868. Before her father died, he ran a money lending business. She was one of four girls. Everything else about her family is rather vague, but somehow she was also adopted into the Abe family was considered extremely extravagant and selfish. Uh, a little known fact about adoption in Japan. The adoption of a male heir or adopting the male who was married to their daughter to become their male heir and take the family's name or adopting both a male and a female to marry in an arranged marriage, or if they were already married. The couple didn't even have to be childless, but feel their naturally born heir was unsuitable. Uh, still something practiced in Japan to have a family name carried on. Shigeyoshi and Katsu, uh, they believe that the couple was married in an arranged marriage. They conceived eight children, 
with only four surviving to adulthood. In 1915, two of their boys died of typhus and heart failure. Uh, they had one boy die soon after birth, and one was a miscarriage. Their surviving children was one boy and three daughters. Shintaro in 1886, Toku in 1887, Taruko born in 1898, and Seda born in 1905. Shintaro was supposed to be the successor of the tatami business. He was considered a womanizer, which ruined his chances. Uh, his first wife considered him abnormal. His second wife was a geisha, Ume. He always brought home women considered of low morals and caused conflict about taking over the family business. He didn't like how that went about. He didn't like his mistakes being brought forth. Uh, Tuko married into a merchant family, was considered the heir to the business, had eight children, and was considered the successful Abe. Taruko was considered wild and promiscuous, had an affair with a craftsman, was married, then divorced, had multiple lovers at the same time, was just all around wild. Um, Seda was born when her father was 52 years old. He rarely paid any attention to her, but she was spoiled rotten by her mother. Seda was brought, bought flashy, gaudy clothes and anything that she wanted. Her mother was extremely proud of how beautiful Seda was, so she would dress her up to parade her around in public. Was given a samisen and singing lessons at six years old. This was something considered to be associated with geishas. Katsu also earned her to study music, dress, and makeup inspired by the geishas. Um, Seda was considered a bad student because she only got B's and C's. Her only A was in music, which amuses me because B's and C's aren't horrible. Here in America, we're happy if you get B's and C's. But that made her a bad student. So her teachers demanded she stop her semison and singing lessons. I do not know if I'm saying that word right. S-H-A-M-I-S-E-N. I'm trying so hard, but I don't know if I am. Um, so they wanted her to stop those lessons, but neither her mother nor Seda agreed. She only finished primary school and had private tutors hired to teach her sewing and calligraphy, which was considered essential for her to be a good wife. Uh, Shintaro was continuously bringing women home, drinking and smoking, and causing issues with not being the successor. It was a big deal because they had the tatami business that would have five to ten men coming to their house, plus rental properties. By 10 years old, Seda believed she knew what went on between a man and a woman because of her brother and hearing things from the workmen that came to the house. They would banter and just all around talk 
about things that I guess guys would talk about. And she wasn't supposed to listen, but she did because natural curiosity. Uh, to keep her from seeing the quarreling, Seda would be sent out by her parents to play unsupervised. Um, 15 years old. During this time, Seda acted order older than she was and hung out at a friend's house who had an older brother who went to university. That brother had a friend, Ken, who hit it off with Seda. Feeling she knew how to handle herself when she didn't really know as much as she thought, she let herself be curious. Ken took this curiosity and went too far, forcing himself on Seda, and he raped her. Unsure of what happened, but knowing she hurt and was bleeding, Seda went home to tell her mother, who informed her she had lost her virginity and she was no longer a maiden. After that, she went back to this friend's house and saw Ken. She told him that she told her mother and he should tell his parents too. That was the end of Ken. He left and never returned to his friend's house. Katsu, say this mother, tried to go to his parents, but was turned away. She was then told, say, she then told Seda to lie so that she could get married. Uh, a little few things about rape in Japan. They did not report this rape because victims get traumatized worse after the fact. Because oftentimes, the police do not recognize it as a serious crime. If Ken raped Seda, then they would consider it her fault for being alone with him and allowing it to happen. Uh, even today, rape isn't considered a serious crime as long as the assaulter apologizes and pays for damages. If someone actually files a report and manages to get it investigated, the assaulter may get three years. Um, a few things to be known is they blame it on the victim because they have weird views about how women should behave, which actually changed from being where only the samurai and high class had to behave this way and the urban and rural families like working class farmers were considered odd if the woman didn't have any um sexual experience so that ended up changing so that the lower class had to act like the higher class anyway being told to lie by her mother and being bought gifts just made her angry. She didn't want to lie, and that meant she would never be able to get married. Seda knew there were two types of women. Household women who did not like sex, did not get jealous, were diligent, frugal, chaste, graceful, did not talk back, had good health. Then there were the fallen women who were geishas, prostitutes, cafe girls, bar girls, or just had premarital experience. She did not want to marry Ken, which is something she admitted, but it made her angry that he could take her virginity and throw her away like trash, treating her like a fool. She started to act out and hang out with the no-good crowd. Asakusa, the low city entertainment district. 
sadist stole money from her family and would run around with the bad crowd. They would go having fun and she would buy them meals. And if she had any money left over, she would split it between them and go back home to lie to her parents about where she had been. Her mother and father started to ignore her due to the complications at home about the successor and the quarreling and so forth. So being the spoiled little thing that Seda was, she got more angry and that made her lazy. She would make them bring her breakfast in bed. She would steal money. Then she would dress up and leave for the whole day. Her father's way of spoiling her was he ignored her dressing up to leave the house. And her mother's way of spoiling her would be to let her in late so not to get in trouble. It just made Seda more upset. Uh, around 16, Taruko left her husband and ran away. She came back and had an affair with an, a craftsman, which Seda knew about. Her parents found out that Seda knew and scolded her. But Seda yelled at them, saying she wasn't the one having an affair. It was Taruko's. Taruko's. Upset with her behavior, Seda and Taruko's father sold Taruko to a brothel, which was common practice back then. Fathers were able to do that. After much begging from friends and family, he bought her back so she could come back home. To keep Seda from letting the cat out of the bag about her sister, and so Taruko could get married again, Seda was sent to be a maid in an upscale home. Being spoiled made it. So she didn't like being a maid and felt lonely. Then she thought she could put on a ring of the daughter and her, the daughter's best kimono and go out and have a night on the town. Her sister came to get her and she was taken to the police for stealing. Uh, Seda ran away, ran away to a geisha house for a night, but then realized no matter how much they fascinated her that she didn't want to stay away from home. So she went back. Shintaro kept trying to talk her into becoming a geisha, which definitely didn't have anything to do with getting 300 yen for her. Then everything came to an end with the family's quarreling about the successor when Shintaro left in the middle of the night with their family savings, forcing them to move to a quiet area where her oldest sister, Tuko, was living with their family, her family. Uh, Seda hated it because she couldn't go out and enjoy the same thing she always did, so she ran away. It gets confusing here because there's indications that Seda beg begged to be allowed to become a geisha, and there are other indications that Seda's father forced her to become one as punishment. Either way, uh, Seda was sold to. Uh, become a geisha slash prostitute. So at 17, she was taken to a distant family member, Inaba Masataki, who was a state-registered intermediary for women who wanted to become a geisha or a licensed prostitute. Since, since she was underage, she lived with Mas Masataki as she worked and trained in the geisha house. 
Saida uh, learned quickly that she started late in life and didn't know as much as she thought, which made it so she didn't earn much money as a geisha. She didn't like the training or how disciplined you needed to be to become a geisha. Um, a little thing about state registered intermediaries. A woman couldn't go to a geisha or brothel house to become a geisha or prostitute on their own. They needed an intermediary to do it for them. The same as if they wanted to transfer houses. None of it could be done on their own. Geishas were considered to be entertainers that weren't supposed to be involved with customers sexually. Prostitutes had to be licensed to a house and were required medical examinations each month. You could be a geisha or you could be a prostitute or you could be both. If you were a geisha, you didn't have the constant checkups because you weren't supposed to be sexually active. So it was kind of a way to be a prostitute without all the other things like the medical checkups and just considering yourself a prostitute. Um, because of Seda's lack of discipline and having been spoiled all her life, Seda kept asking Masataki to transfer her to different geisha houses. Each time she was taken to a new house, she would have to pay off the money she was given at the first house with the yen she was given at the next, which meant she had to work that money off. So what would happen is they, to, you would pay to get this girl to come into the house. You'd pay the intermediary. And this would be money that would have to get earned back by the girl working. And if you wanted to go to a different geisha house, they would give you a deposit, I guess it is. And that money would go toward paying off the debt of the former geisha house and to paying your intermediary. So then you'd be at this new house working off the money that you just got to pay off the old house and to be given to your intermediary, intermediary because he just transferred you to a new house. Um, each... Geisha house was worse than the last and forced her to be sexually active, which Seda said she hated. She hated every man she had to sleep with and would run away only to be tracked down and returned. She would steal and pawn items she stole from the other people in the houses to get more money. Um, after an earthquake, they moved and Seda started a sexual relationship with Masataki. Although he was married, she considered him her lover until she found out that he had sex with all the women he was an intermediary for. His wife knew and didn't care because the women were the source of their income. Seda distanced herself from Masataki and made him send her to a geisha house that was much farther away from them. She used the money she got from the new house to pay off Masataki and the old house. In the new house, Seda suffered a nervous breakdown. The owner caught Seda on the floor, pulling her hair and kicking the floor. The doctor that was summoned said she was suffering from hysteria. 
Uh, the next day, a customer gave her a watch and she used to strike him on the head because she felt he was cheap and a fool. She hated him and hated having relations with him. After this, she left that house and didn't enter another. After being a geisha for five years, Seda discovered she had a venereal disease and was heartbroken to realize she was a prostitute. She couldn't lie to herself anymore. Because if she was a geisha, she wouldn't be having sex. And even if she was, she felt if she was a geisha and having sex, she wouldn't get a disease, I guess. I don't know. She was lying to herself, though, saying, oh, I'm a geisha. I'm not a prostitute. And that was 100% wrong, because obviously she wasn't. Uh, she was treated and then moved into a brothel house under another name. She used the money she got to pay off her debts and then sent a portion to her mother. She switched brothels after a year and was accused of trying to elope, elope with a customer six months after being at the new one. Seda started to steal again when the owner transferred her to another brothel where she got syphilis again. After contracting typhus and being at the brothel for two years, she ran away. Because of her running away and being returned, she was transferred to three different brothels where she, where she stole money from a customer at 26 and ran away, finally escaping. Uh, she went to Kobe. I think that's how you pronounce it. Seda went to work at a cafe as a hostess, but with the looming prospect of her formal brothel owner on her tail, she didn't feel she was earning enough. She asked a customer for help, and he said he could. But as naive as Seda was, she didn't realize he was a pimp. He's for he forced her to work as a prostitute illegally and took every penny she earned. She left after three months. In mid-1932, Seda quit prostitution and became a mistress instead, which honestly, not much of a difference. You're still pretty much having sex for money. It was during this time that she actually began to enjoy the sexual experience. Since she was unable to be satisfied by the one man she was with, he allowed her to take lovers. She was being serviced by three different men simultaneously and earning enough money to rent an apartment in Osaka, Osaka, I don't know, O-S-A-K-A. Who knows? What is that word? And I told you, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce these. Uh, she was attracted to a man named Yagi Korjoro. Hmm. Wish I would have taken another language. I know sign language and Spanish. So this is not working for me. Uh, but found he was arrogant, only pretending to have money, which she found out when arrested for gambling. That had her leaving to visit her parents for three months before going back, only to be notified January 1933 that her mother had passed away. Uh... One week after her mother's passing, she went back to pay her respects and stay for two weeks. Since the brothels were still on her tail, she had to leave and turn to prostitution again. October of 1933, she became the mistress of... Ooh, this is a hard one. 
Naga, Nakagawa? Chohori. January 1934, her father had fallen ill, so she went back to Tokyo again to nurse him back to health. But he died 10 days later. She was given 300 yen as an inheritance and went back to Nakagawa. Because of Nakagawa's failing health, he had to end their relationship in September. So Seda went to Yokohama to be a prostitute in another brothel. Seda met Kasahara in, this is another guy, in October of 1934. He was married uh, 27 years with a 55-year-old wife and a 20-year-old son. A brothel Seda was working at, and the owner was the friend of Kasasara, no, Kasahara, so he called him to get a woman released. I think I missed some information here. I have my notes, and I think I got distracted. Um, a brothel that Seda was working at got um, ransacked by the police, and all the women got taken to jail. That is what I missed. I don't know how I missed that bit of information. I didn't write it down. Anyway, um, the owner of the brothel she was working at called Kasahara. And he went in to get the woman released. And Kasahara was instantly attracted to Seda. So he negotiated with his friend to allow her to be his mistress. On December 20th, she moved into a house where he paid her rent and gave her 30 to 40 yen a month. Uh, it was never settled exactly how much he gave her. He just made sure to pay her rent. Um, the frequency of his visits weren't enough for Seda, so she told him to leave his wife. He refused. She told him she wanted to take a lover, which enraged Kasahara, and he threatened her. Seda left a note. And left. He gave chase, but Seda escaped his clutches. She went to Nagoya. And then Seda found a restaurant to work at. And after giving a customer a sob story about her husband and child being left behind, they started a sexual experience. Which wasn't just like they started this. Um... He was really kind to her. He kept, he'd bring her gifts and candies and kind of treat her like a younger sister, which was not something that Seda actually wanted. She didn't want to just be treated kindly. And she pretty much pounced on him. And that's how the sexual experiences between them started. And I mean, not blaming her. Not blaming him. Obviously, if he didn't find her attractive and wasn't drawn to her, he wouldn't have had sex with her. But there was an attraction there. But he kept it innocent and she didn't like that. Uh, she worked at a, she knew she would get fired 
for having the sexual relationship with customers, so she quit. She worked at another restaurant, but disliked uh, Nagoya and went to go home and wanted to go home. She told the customer, who wouldn't tell her his name, that she needed to go back because her husband and daughter died. Um, he gave her money to help, and she left. Uh, Seda went back to Tokyo, and she moved in with Masataki again. Kasahara found her and filed a lawsuit as merit fraud, which is just, she was his mistress. How can you file a lawsuit for marriage fraud when she was his mistress? I just, that, that boggles my mind. Seda left Masataki's house and started working at an unlicensed brothel for an acquaintance named Kamuro Hiroshi. When things calmed down, she wrote her unnamed lover to visit, and he did, where they stayed in an inn until he went back to Nagoya. Uh, Seda continued working at the brothel and became involved with an, the owner. A month later, her lover came back to visit, and she lied to him and said that the brothel house was her sister's. She was discovered when he spoke to Hiroshi. Um, he was not upset. He was undeterred and he took her to the hot spring located at the seaside and told her he would help her live a normal life so she didn't have to sell her body anymore. He seemed extremely concerned for her well-being, but still refused to tell her his name or profession. After going back to Tokyo, she had a small affair with Nakagawa again, but... She couldn't stop thinking about her nameless lover. She was determined to find out who he was, so she left Tokyo to go back to Nagoya in August. Uh, she took a train, and after getting off the train, she went to an inn, and she saw a newspaper headline that read, City Council Members Go to America. And there on the front was a picture of her lover. She learned his name. Omiya. Goro. Seda immediately called him and they met at the inn by the harbor. He was extremely upset she learned of his name. Um, Omiya told Seda they had to keep it a secret because he was a school president. August 13th, 1935, they met in Tokyo right before he went to America. He came back in October and Seda was reunited with him in mid-November. She was suffering symptoms from syphilis for the third time, so she so he sent her to the hot spring resort with 250 yen to get better. Seda was there until January 1936, and Omiya only visited her once. After she returned to Tokyo, she met up, and Omiya suggested that Seda go into business for herself. She she felt she could truly do it, so she set out with a new determination. In February of 1936, Seda got a job at a restaurant that specializes in eel dishes, working for 42-year-old Ishida and his wife. Ishida was a womanizer, so his wife was the one who ran the restaurant, and they had two teenage children. She got the job on a lie, saying her husband's business was going bankrupt, so she needed a job. Although she told him she was married, that did not stop 
Ishida from pursuing her. Within 10 days, he was blocking her in hallways, hugging her, kissing her, and playing with her breasts. She hoped to learn from him, so she did not turn him away. Um, she was always thinking um, of Omiya, but he didn't give her into her impulses. He told her, and I quote, for a husband and a wife, the everyday affairs of life come first and sexual matters come secondary. For that matter, sex must be secondary to any relationship between men and women. Rather, they must be satisfied that they can feel truly. When I look at you, I feel at peace, but your erotic drive is too strong. Simply by holding my hand, you get excited. You have to discipline yourself so that even when you sleep with a man, you will be in control of yourself. When I tell you I won't have sex, I mean it. In the middle of April, after getting permission from Omiya to take a lover because he refused to have sex with her, Seda was asked, to take Saki to one of the rooms by Ashida's wife. When she entered the room, Ashida himself was in there and grabbed Sada to drink with him. He started playing with her privates and she just let him because it felt good. A geisha came in to serenade them, which led to them having sex for the first time. Atoku, Ashida's wife, didn't bother with him having an affair with Seda. They had a business and family convenience marriage. They were once caught in the act by one of the other workers, so they decided to find a more private place to be leisurely in bed. Seda admitted she was infatuated with Ashida. Uh, Seda said she still had strong feelings for Omiya, but of his genuine care for her well-being, not necessarily him. Ashida shared that Seda needed to find another job because the restaurant was going under and he hadn't told his wife. Seda felt incredibly special to be told a secret that not even his wife knew. On April 23rd, they went to a restaurant and Ashida told Seda, this is our wedding day. Let's drink. Um, Ashida treated Seda with care, made her feel cherished, gave her things she had never gotten before, all while keeping her satisfied in bed. They went from inn to tea house to cafe, just having sex until he had to go back to his wife. She went to Amiya again to get money, and she slept with him out of duty because he was giving her money. Ashida teased her and said he should get a knife too, so she knew better than to sleep with other men. Um, since they were back together, they decided to experiment with new erotic play. Ashida told Seda that it increased sexual de desire to use her sash to strangle him during sex. It was a hit to them, but the feeling afterward was very painful. They had sex for two hours with Ashida having Seda choke him off and on, but one of the times she pulled too tight and he went limp. Seda immediately stopped, but his face was a horrible red color and his eyes were swollen. They didn't want to call a doctor because he might go to the police. Then his wife would know where they were, so she went to a pharmacist to ask what to do. They were told his blood cells were swollen and he had to rest quietly. 
he was given a hypnotic and sedative compound to take, but was told not to take more than three. Ashita didn't listen and took six, then took 13 more after eating, and he fell asleep. Seda watched Ashita go in and out of consciousness. All she could think about was him going back to his wife. She couldn't stand the thought. Ashita asked Seda if she would strangle him while he slept. She said she would. He said not to stop because he didn't like how painful it was afterward. Early morning hours of May 18th, Seda wrapped her sash around his neck, choking him to death. After she was done, she said she felt at ease, but didn't want him to be revived, so she knotted the sash around his neck. Then, as she looked at him, she cut off his genitals and used the blood to write Seda Kichi, only the two of us, on the bedding and his thigh. Then she carved her name into his arm. She put on his under kimono and underwear, wrapped his genitals in a magazine, then put it under her clothing next to her stomach, got the kitchen knife she used to cut off his genitals, and left. Seda went to Omiya, who had no clue about the murder, and apologized profusely. She went shopping, she went to a movie, and made plans to jump off a cliff. But Ashida's body was found too soon. Uh, Seda felt so attached to Ashida's penis that she would unwrap it and just gaze at it. While she was thinking of him, she would put it in her mouth and try to insert it into herself. Uh, she went to an inn to hang herself because the police presence at all train stations and roads were too heavy. So she couldn't get out of town to go jump off the cliff like she wanted to. When she went to this inn, the doors were not tall enough for her to hang herself. Her feet would touch the floor if she tried. So she spent the night with his penis. And then the next day, she transferred rooms that had a higher door. She wrote her will and drank until she fell asleep. Around 5.30, a police officer came around and she told him who she was and to arrest her. Seda didn't want a lawyer. She only wanted to tell her story. She wanted everyone to know she wasn't crazy or just jealous. She was so in love that she wanted them to be together forever. When asked why she took his penis, she said because his head was too heavy and she didn't want his wife to touch his penis when she wiped down his body for a proper funeral. Seda wanted to be the only and last woman to touch his penis. She was given a trial in front of three judges instead of a jury. The judge had to speak carefully because it was illegal to use erotic wording like penis and so forth that could be published or in publish or in public. Seda pleaded to be hung and executed saying how her heart hurt and she wanted to die with Ashita's penis in her hand and a smile on her face. When the judge read the documents he found himself getting excited. 
and was worried that the other judges would too. If they got excited and their wife was on their period, they would have no way to deal with it. Which, are you freaking kidding me? This woman just killed someone and you guys are worried about your own sexual health. You, and you're getting turned on by this stuff too, which just blows my mind. It's whatever. He asked the wives when they were bathing with their children so he could schedule the trial during a time they were not on their period just in case the other judges got excited by the case. Um, they went through the case, found that the excessive sexuality of Seda made her insane and gave her six years in prison. I have the transcripts and of the interrogation and witness interviews too, but this has already been a really, really long podcast and I just, it's not a good idea for me to go into it. I'll think about it. Maybe the next one will be the interviews because those are just crazy to me. They honestly are. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and that I didn't butcher the names too bad, but I know I did. I'm sorry. It was horrible. I know. I'm, I apologize. <gasps> just kidding. Um, so again, thank you for listening to my episode. Um, if you want to like and review, that'll be highly appreciated. I will be back next week with a whole new episode. And if you want, there should be polls and questions with each episode. So feel free to answer. Uh, this is Teresa, and thank you for having an episode with me.